Lecture topic. Strength of the heart. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladheen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. والذين آمنوا أشد حبا لله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اجعل حبك أحب إلي من نفسي وأهلي ومن الماء البارد أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected of my kiram, brothers and elders was a very great personality Ibrahim Taymi Rahmatullah he was a Tabi'i and there is one statement of his which is very very pertinent to us to keep pondering on all the time these people were not people who said things just for the sake of saying it or to impress somebody else they truly said what was deep down in their hearts the personality that we are talking about there is one very ajeeb incident about him and this itself highlights what kind of people these were <coughs> Ibrahim Taymi Rahmatullah as mentioned he was a Tabi'i in his time in the same time there was another very great personality Ibrahim Nakha'i Rahimahullah also a Tabi'i we're talking about people of that era so Ibrahim Nakha'i Rahimahullah also very great Faqih, Muhaddith this was the time of Hajjaj bin Yusuf and Hajjaj bin Yusuf was well known that if something upset him somebody got on the wrong side of him then it will be a very great thing if that person's life got spared. On very very minor things to just take somebody's life was a small thing for him. He got upset with somebody, it was like a death sentence. So something he got upset about, Ibrahim Nakha'i Rahimahullah. It's a very great faqih, muhaddis, tabi'i. So he immediately gave the instruction, set out a warrant basically, that Ibrahim Nakhai Rahimahullah must be arrested. So now the Hajjaj's men, his police now began searching for him. Probably he went in hiding. So now they began searching for him. So they got the message somehow that Ibrahim is in certain place. Now meanwhile the person who was there was Ibrahim Taymi Rahmatullah so they just got the message that somehow somebody might have said something because perhaps there was some reward involved and sometimes a person just for the sake of dunya doesn't think about what he is doing to his akhirat for the sake of some little bit of glitter and glamour of dunya a person sometimes sells his akhirat so perhaps there might have been some reward offered for the arrest of Ibrahim Nakhai Rahimahullah so somebody who didn't have any concern about his akhirat, that he's going to have somebody become mazloom. But for the sake of a few coppers, they were ready to say something, where he might be sitting, where he might be hiding. So this happens when a person forgets akhirat. That he's ready to sell his akhirat for a few coppers of dunya. So in any case, these people somehow got the message, Ibrahim is in a certain place certain house so they located the place and they broke in rushed in and they arrested the person who they arrested they arrested Ibrahim they came in they asked him are you Ibrahim he knew which Ibrahim they were looking for he said I am Ibrahim he knew that they were not looking for him they were looking for Ibrahim he said I am Ibrahim they arrested him arrested him and he was then imprisoned in a very notorious prison of Hajjaj that prison was an open air prison so whether it is the sun is burning hot or whether it is raining 
whether it is snowing or whatever it might be, open air prison. A few months later, somehow Ibrahim Taimi's mother managed to get the permission to come and visit her son. So she came to the prison to visit her son, was prisoned, imprisoned here without even any reason, some mistaken identity, but he didn't disclose it also. So his mother came to visit him, so when he was brought in front of her, she thought the wrong person came. She didn't even recognize him, her own son. His condition had deteriorated so much. He had become so weak and his whole complexion had changed and due to the harsh conditions of the prison. So in any case, somebody in prison also got to know this is what happened, how he ended up here. They told him, but why don't you speak up now? Why don't you speak up that you are not the person they were looking for? You are not the person that was Hajjaj was trying to arrest. So it's a mistaken identity. So he said, I know they were looking for Ibrahim Nakhai. But the Ummah needs Ibrahim Nakhai. So if I am imprisoned and if my life goes also, that's a it's not a big issue. If Ibrahim Nakhai is spared in the process, that's a very cheap bargain. And he eventually passed away in that prison. Became Shaheed in that prison. So this was the kind of heart these people had. What kind of thinking, what kind of mind, what kind of heart? We can't think just for a little bit of somebody else's comfort, somebody else's ease. Just to save somebody else from some little inconvenience due to us. We'll rather have our comfort, doesn't matter if somebody else is hurt in the process. We'll rather make it easy for ourselves, doesn't matter if somebody else is put into some taklif. But everything about ourselves. Everything about me and I. And subhanallah, these people had this kind of heart that it doesn't matter if I am under this torture. And if I am going to be suffering this pain and hardship, but if it's going to be saving my Muslim brother, doesn't matter, I'm ready for it. And he gave his life in that manner. Now this is the personality we started off mentioning about. There's one statement of his, which Imam Bukhari narrates in his Bukhari Sharif as well. That Ibrahim Taymi rahimahullah is to say, that ma aradtu qawli ala amali illa khashitu an akuna mukadziban. He says, whenever I compare my words to my actions, in other words, my words, there's a claim in it. For example, every mu'min, we say, La ilaha illallah. So this is a claim. It's a claim that I worship Allah Ta'ala alone. I'm a servant of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is my creator, my sustainer, so therefore all my loyalty belongs to Allah alone. This is all part of this La ilaha illallah, this claim is in there. We say Muhammadur Rasulullah, so this is a claim also, that I follow only Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. One is the testifying that Allah is the only one worthy of worship, and Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is Allah's final messenger, but in this testimony is this claim also. I am the true Ummati of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So now he was on a very high level. This was his tawazu. This was his humility. He's saying when I present my words on my deeds, on my actions, then I am worried that I am lying. My actions falsify my claims. My actions don't support the claim that I'm making. In other words, every time he is pondering, he's thinking, he's concerned that this is what I claim to be, this is how I present myself, this is what I, the picture that I paint out there about myself, that I'm a person very conscious about deen, I'm a person who is very, very loyal to Allah wa ta'ala, I'm a true ummati of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is the picture I paint about myself in my outward actions. Sometimes, but then behind that, behind all that, there's another matter. So now he's all the time in this concern 
that one side is my claim and the other side is my deeds, my words and my actions. These don't conform. Maybe the outward actions in the eyes of the public might be something, but after that, away from the eyes of the public, is it in pretty what I'm claiming and how I conduct myself? Are my eyes conforming to my claim? Or is it looking at all kinds of haram? Are my ears conforming to the claim? My tongue, my hands and feet, my conduct, my behavior, how I live with people around me, is all this conforming to the claim? So this was the aspect about these people, that they were all the time concerned. Imam Malik rahmatullah very great, Muhaddis Faqih, one of the four great Imams, it is his statement that a person to the extent that they will be this fikr of akhirat, to that extent the fikr of dunya will decrease. And to the extent there is that fikr and concern about dunya and how to now make dunya jannat for himself, to that extent the fikr of akhirat will decrease. It's not going to be possible to have both at the same level. A person now has to decide what he wants to make the priority in life, what he wants to put behind. Dunya is there, every person is going to have to live in dunya while he's here and have to take care of his needs while he's around. But what is the direction, what is the focus, what is the aspiration of a person? So now when these people's aspiration was akhirat, so now they're all the time in this muhasaba, in this fikr, in this concern, in this checking and meditating upon how things are going, what is their life. Now this is the aspect that we need to increase. Alhamdulillah, every mu'min has it. The fact that a person has iman, to some extent that, that concern is there. The fact that a person comes into the house of Allah Ta'ala, that fikr is there. But is it there to the extent that it should be there? That's another matter. And really, if we think about ourselves, among the signs, if we look within ourselves whether some of these signs exist, and to what extent it exists, that whether a person truly has the fikr of akhirat, among those signs that will indicate this, that anything linked to death or akhirat will stir him. If there's a janazah, it will stir him. He'll be worried about his own janazah now. If he sees something related to ghusl of a mayyid, for example, or there are certain things that are used when giving ghusl to a mayyid, for example, camphor. Now when the ghusl is given to a mayyid, then one part of the ghusl is to pour the camphor water over that. Now camphor is not something a person sees every day, unless perhaps he's selling it or something. Certain things we see often, but something we don't see so often. So now a person knows he probably had attended a ghusl, so he saw camphor being mixed into that water and being put over the mayit while the ghusl is being given. Now when he saw that camphor, did he take his mind towards ghusl of a mayit? And did he take his mind towards death and remembrance of akhirat? Now with this true figure of akhirat, that will become an almost automatic thing. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala an, on one occasion was passing somewhere and suddenly passed by a person who was blowing into a furnace to light it to he was blowing into it to grow the flames so as he passed by and he saw this person blowing into it to now light it up he suddenly fell unconscious why? says the fire of Akhirat came to mind. When he would pass by a blacksmith who had now heated his that iron into the fire and now he's going to be now stamping it and shaping it and he happened to pass by, it would immediately make him break down. He would start crying. Why? This is something that reminds of the fire of Jahannam. This intensity of fire reminds of the fire of Jahannam. Now this was the constant concern in the hearts of these people. Hazrat Rabia Basriya Rahmatullah Aleha, somebody presented one roasted chicken in front of her. Now, as a hadiyah, as a gift, already ready, prepared to eat. So now when somebody will present a roasted chicken in front of us, then immediately 
the water will flow but from our tongues. And there's no harm in that. Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat, Allah Ta'ala has provided a ni'mat as part of insan that he is naturally inclined to something that might be delicious, something tasty. As part of insan's tabiyat, Allah hasn't forbidden it. قُلْ مَنْ حَرَّمَ زِينَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي أَخْرَجَ لِعِبَادِهِ وَالطَّيِّبَاتِ مِنَ الرِّزْقِ Allah Ta'ala's ni'mat. But instead of the water dripping from her mouth, it started flowing from her eyes. And she started crying. Somebody asked her, what are you crying about? She says, I was just looking at this and that immediately my mind went in another direction. That how fortunate this chicken is. That this chicken was first slaughtered in the proper manner, Shari'i Zaba obviously was made. So by that time now its life was gone. And after its life was gone, it was then roasted and prepared. So when it was roasted, it felt no pain because its life was gone already. So I just, my mind went in that direction that how fortunate this chicken is that when it was roasted, its life was already gone, Zabah was already made. Allah forbid, if I don't earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and I leave this dunya in a way Allah is displeased with me, I'll get roasted alive. Now, what brings about this concern of Akhirat in this manner? That's the question. Many, many stories of the pious of this nature, of the sahaba kiram the tabi'een, all the aslaf of the ummah and the pious personalities of the ummah, right up to our day and time, we'll hear about these kind of ajeeb incidents of how people react to things around them and what concern of akhirat they have, which makes us just be completely in a daze that subhanallah, what a heart this person has. But what brings about this concern of akhirat in this manner? What makes a person be constantly thinking in this way, small, what we may regard as small things, but take his mind in that far direction, to the extent that the heart is immersed with the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. To the extent that there is muhabbat and love for Allah Ta'ala, then that which is going to take a person closer to Allah Ta'ala becomes very, very beloved to him, and he's very concerned that how can I keep getting closer to Allah Ta'ala, and he's all the time worried about that I mustn't cross the line anywhere and earn Allah Ta'ala's displeasure. Because of the extent of love, he's concerned about not falling into Allah's displeasure. That's the figure. And when this love is low, then it doesn't matter then. It happens, won't happen, doesn't really matter. So that is because this, that love is deficient. So now he's not even concerned about losing this. And when that love is at a height, then only this will be the figure. And that is the issue, that is what needs to be developed. And that is all about the heart. That what is going to be inculcated in this heart, the heart is king. And how much of muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala is in the heart, to that extent all these things will then flow from it. Otherwise that heart is like a dead, it's just dead. Like one poet said, O gul gul nahi, jisme boo nahi. O dil dil nahi, jisme tu nahi. Says that gul, that flower, that flower is not really a flower if it doesn't have fragrance. Meaning if it's a plastic, no, very nicely carved and how wonderfully it's now just decorated and everything. But it's plastic. That plastic flower is just plastic, that's what it is. It has no fragrance, it has no reality to it. Is just there for show and person looks at it a few times and is bored of it. So that flower, if it doesn't have a fragrance in it, it's something to look at twice and forget about it. So that flower can't be called a flower, it's just an ornament, no reality to it. So just as that flower is not a flower, it doesn't, if it doesn't have that fragrance, oh gul, gul nahi, jisme boo nahi, oh dil, dil nahi, jisme tu nahi, Allah likewise that heart is not a heart if you are not in that heart. That heart is just a piece of flesh only, but the spiritual heart is dead. The spiritual heart is not, there's nothing in it. So to the extent that the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala has been inculcated in this heart, to that extent the fikr of akhirat will then follow. And when the fikr of akhirat comes, that then gets everything going. To the extent that that is alive, 
That is what will pick a person out of his bed at the time of Fajr and bring him to the masjid. Otherwise he'll have some excuse for himself in his mind. He'll make some excuse. And there's no limit to the amount of excuses a person can make for himself. For every excuse that somebody will have an answer for, he'll have another excuse. There's no limit to it. What will stop the excuses? The same person who had so many excuses but suddenly now has to catch a flight somewhere, has got some business deal somewhere and forget to catch a flight or business deal that he's got a, for a fishing trip somewhere early in the morning. That suddenly what could never happen. That happens with such ease now that he can wake up and he can be there before Fajr time, he can leave already. What happened? How it happened? This was such an impossibility for him. He never was able to hear the alarm. People used to wake him up. He says, I just don't know what happens when I sleep. I sleep like I'm unconscious. And you know, I just really don't know what goes on. So many things. Now everything just changed in one overnight. So the issue is to the extent that the fikr is there, which stems out of the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. That fikr is what will bring him to the house of Allah Ta'ala. That fikr is what will make him not just confine himself to the five first salah. That goes without saying. But that fikr will want to make him do more. Because he has to now work towards akhirat. He needs to work towards getting the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So now, apart from the sunnah, sunnah e muakkada, ghair muakkada, he'll be trying to do some nawafil as well. Because he needs to gain the closeness of Allah Ta'ala. The muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Then he'll be finding time for tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, for zikr, for dua. He'll be finding time to come out in the path of Allah Ta'ala, to serve deen, to do whatever can be done in order to try and get closer to Allah Ta'ala. All this will become easy. Why? Because something is in the heart now. As Imam Malik, his statement, to the extent that the concern of akhirat grows, the concern of dunya, that will lessen. And otherwise, it will go the other way around. Then suddenly there won't be time for anything. So the issue is, it comes back down to the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. Now how does this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala get created in the heart of a person? How does he become the true ashik of Allah Ta'ala? What is going to develop and generate this love of Allah Ta'ala in his heart? So there are many many things that the ulama have written. But there are some very simple aspects. Very very simple things. And these simple things if we take this to heart and start making this a part of our lives. Then inshallah in a short time we will see the effect of it. At the top of the list is giving up sin. Now we might say that this, this is something which I find very difficult. But that is where in that mujahada the love of Allah Ta'ala is generated. That when a person is trampling that nafs and desire in order to save himself from that haram, from that haram glance, from that wrong word, from that vulgarity, from the obscenity, from listening to that music and other haram things, from going to haram places, Every time he tempers that nafs, he's breaking his heart. For who is breaking it? He's breaking it for Allah Ta'ala. And each time he's breaking his heart for Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will mend that heart with his love. Allah will mend that broken heart with his muhabbat. Like everything else that tears, that breaks, there's something to mend it, something to join it. But the heart breaks, but when it breaks for Allah Ta'ala, Allah will mend it with his muhabbat. So each time this happens, it's not gone in vain. Shaitan makes the person feel, I lost out, na'uzubillah. That's shaitan's way of trying to drop a person into haram. Now you are losing out, everybody else is enjoying themselves. So don't lose out, na'uzubillah. That's how shaitan tries to make a person really become a loser. That he gets him involved in the haram. So the first thing is, trampling that nafs and giving up sin. And as this continues, each time that a person breaks the heart for Allah Ta'ala, that heart, when other things break in dunya, each time it breaks, it becomes weaker. Something broke and somehow it made it and fixed it and put it together. But now, it won't take so much to break it again. Even half the knock will break it now, because it has weakened. And after a second time it broke and you fixed it up again, 
The third time even a gust of wind might just drop it and break it. But the heart is very different. Provided it is breaking not for dunya, not for haram. Our hearts have broken many times. But for dunya and haram, Allah forbid. But when this heart keeps breaking for Allah Ta'ala, every time it breaks for Allah Ta'ala, it gets stronger. Every time it breaks for Allah Ta'ala, the strength of this heart increases. The spiritual strength. And this muhabbat then permeates the heart. As mentioned in one hadith sharif, when a person continues to break this heart for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, then eventually, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the hadith sharif mentioned that hatta tasira ala qalbain. Nabi Sallallahu gives the example of two hearts. One heart that carried on breaking for Allah Ta'ala's muhabbat. And the other heart that continued giving into every temptation. So the heart that continued breaking for Allah Ta'ala's muhabbat, that heart becomes, Nabi Sallallahu says, fitna proof in our understanding. لا تضره فتنة ما دامت السماوات والأرض This is a process, it's not happened overnight. But over time, repeatedly the person broke his heart. For Allah Ta'ala, it might take months, it might take some years. But eventually it will become fitna proof. Nabi Islam says, no fitna will affect this heart till the last moment of this person's life. مَا دَامَتِ السَّمَاوَاتُ وَالْأَرْضِ If he lives till Qiyamat, it won't affect him till Qiyamat. This is the effect of breaking the heart for Allah Ta'ala. So this is the first thing. But now in order to help us with that, the very important thing, and this is also the second prescription, one is it helps to take that courage to break the heart. Because that also needs a strength. This is the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. And to the extent that the zikr of Allah Ta'ala is alive in a person's life, to that extent that courage will be present to take the necessary effort to break the heart. Doesn't matter if it breaks. To be able to withstand that. And not give in to the temptation. So we have to have a dedicated time to remember Allah Ta'ala daily. Apart from the rest of the day, where whichever time a person can keep his tongue also engaged in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And keep his heart and mind occupied in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. But some dedicated time. Dedicated time. What a sad situation it will be. Person has got time for everything in the day. Everything referring to even time to play games on his phone. Forget about time for social media and all the other things and what not goes on in that. And then time for games which is Subhanallah, they say, Pachpan agaya, bachpan nahi gaya. Person already 55 has come but childhood hasn't gone. How many times has complained some who not? My husband is all the time playing games, he's on the phone all the time. Whether it's even, or he's on the, he's just constantly online. Whether anybody's eating time or whatever time, he just, his constant companion is his phone. Ever since the phone became his companion, everybody else just became part of the furniture. Everybody else just became part of the furniture. Life will just carry on. This has really brought that kind of havoc in our homes, which perhaps something in the past had never done anything to this extent. It has made the homes desolate. Everybody is living their own life. It's just a association of convenience. Everybody is living their own life. Everybody and their phone. And obviously now we have mutual requirements and needs. So it has become an association of convenience. This is the end result of the way that the shaitan smart tool, the havoc it has created. Shaitan's very smart tool. It has all its benefits as well, but if it's not used correctly, it is more dangerous than that qurbani knife that slaughters the ox. What a wonderful thing it does. What a great ibadat, slaughtering that ox for the sake of Allah wa ta'ala and performing the qurbani and this knife, this very very sharp knife helps to perform that ibadat. But give it in the hand of a child? So most of us unfortunately the smartphone in our hands is like the qurbani knife in the hand of a child and sometimes more dangerous than that. 
And then this is the end result, everybody is living their own life, each person and his phone. So, this remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, we got time for all these things throughout the day, dedicated time for the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, for tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, for some nawafil, remembering Allah Ta'ala, this is what builds the capacity of the heart, and to the extent that the zikr of Allah happens in the way it should happen, this develops that muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala in the heart. So one is, the most important aspect is giving up sin, allowing that heart to break if it breaks, for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. And what's going to help in that? The zikr of Allah Ta'ala. That itself creates the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. And among the most important aspects in the zikr of Allah Ta'ala is tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. That no day should go past that there wasn't tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. Now we need to have a, a program of the day, which time of my day is the tilawat? I should be asking myself that question now, where in my day is a time slot for tilawat? A time slot for taking the name of Allah Ta'ala in a dedicated manner. Five minutes. A time slot for some tasbihat. So one is giving up sin. The second thing is this zikr. Then the third very effective aspect that helps to develop this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala and inculcate this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala is gratitude and shukr. To the extent that the shukr is alive in a person, this will keep developing this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. When a person is grateful to Allah Ta'ala, he's going to be very conscious of Allah's ni'mas. And all the time he's making shukr, very consciously. So he'll be very conscious of Allah's ni'mas. When he's conscious of Allah's ni'mas, he'll be conscious of Allah Ta'ala. Conscious of the benefactor. Conscious of the being that has blessed him with it. One pious person got sick. He had a problem, he couldn't suddenly pass urine. So somebody came to visit him, very pious person. So he asked him that, how's everything? Yes, now you visit a sick person, so that's part of the etiquette, to ask him how is he. So he replied and said, the punishment of Allah. That's what his reply was. Iqabullah, the punishment of Allah. So this person said, Hazrat, you and a punishment of Allah Ta'ala, okay, say it's a test, it's a challenge. You say punishment, a punishment of Allah Ta'ala. Says, but we know you, if supposing you make a mistake, you're not masum obviously, but if you made a mistake, we, it's beyond us to even imagine that you let it pass for even a few moments without making sincere toba. So why are you calling this a punishment? Say it's a test, it's a test of Allah Ta'ala, tests also happen. He said, no, it's Allah's punishment for a specific neglect. What do you mean specific neglect? He says, I have been negligent in shukr. So you and shukr, negligent in shukr, you are making shukr all the time, we hear it also. He says, no, I have been negligent in shukr. He says, this ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala, that Allah Ta'ala allowed me for so many years without any difficulty to take care of this need, not once did I specifically make shukr for this ni'mat. So this is the punishment that now I'm being meted, that you didn't make shukr specifically for this ni'mat on any occasion. Now this was his very high level of thinking, otherwise for that matter, if a person is reciting the masnoon dua at the time and after leaving the toilet, that itself is shukr for the ni'mat that Allah Ta'ala has blessed that a person was able to cleanse himself of all the impurities but when a person is concerned then he's concerned about all these things I am definitely negligent in everything and then he's all the time focused towards Allah Taala. and in things that apparently are negative he still finds something to make shukar in that too Abu Usman Khiri Rahmatullah very great personality of his time he's walking somewhere and somebody from an upper story they just some dirt and dust and whatever they offloaded the dustbin basically out of the window now there was some ash in it also and it came and fell all over him now that's totally against the etiquette the person should never ever do such a thing but again because of lack of any concern of akhirat 
that this will be accountable. Whatever a person due to his actions, he gives the cleave to anybody else. This is such a, something viewed so negatively in deen, that in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Al-Muslimu, Man salim al-Muslimuna min lisanihi wa yadi. Al-Muslim. The person who is deserving of this title is who? Title of Muslim, who others are safe from the harm of his words and deeds. He doesn't give any taklif to anybody with his words, with his actions. In other words, person got his salah in order, performing all his salah very well. MashaAllah. He's got his zakat in order, his hajj in order, his fasting, nafil salah and nafil fast as well. And he's serving deen and he's doing so many things, mashallah. Very charitable, always ready to do so many other good things. The only thing that's missing in his life is that he is not careful about avoiding taklif to others, giving taklif to others with his words, with his actions. Nabi Islam is saying his salah in his place, mashallah, very good, his zakat, his fasting, his hajj, his umrah and his charity, and all the other good things that he's doing, everything in his place. But I am not ready to give him the title of Al-Muslim. Not that his Iman is gone, his Iman is there. But Nabi Islam is saying that this title Al-Muslim will require that he must first also stop giving taklif to others. With his words, and with his actions. When he has stopped giving taklif to others also, now he deserves the title of Al-Muslim. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadi. That is the message of this Hadith Sharif. So, now this person, any case was walking and someone threw all this dirt from top. It fell all, all over his clothes. And so anybody will get upset over this. But instead of getting upset and now retaliating, he started making a lot of shukr. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Somebody asked, who was there asked him, but is this an occasion of shukr? At least it should have been inna lillah. This was a difficulty, a calamity of sort. You are making shukr. He said, yes, I am making shukr. Why are you making shukr? He says, my mind is gone to a different direction. I know my condition. I, my condition is such that fire should have rained down upon me. I am making shukar Allah Ta'ala saved me from that. It was just some dirt, some dust, some ash, not fire. So I am making shukar that Allah Ta'ala saved me from fire raining down upon me. Even in the difficulties, he found something to make shukar for when the heart was immersed in shukar. So now this is the other aspect, to have some time daily. Think about one one na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, you blessed me with this na'mat. Millions, forget millions, billions. Billions don't have this na'mat. If we really think about it, just to start off with the na'mat of Iman, the greatest na'mat that anybody can be blessed with, already we are in the top maybe 20% of the world. Already in the top 20%, more than 5 billion, 6 billion people already out. We are already better than more than 6 billion, 7 billion. Then from that 20% or so that those who are blessed with Iman, Allah Ta'ala blesses somebody with the tawfiq that he's making his salah. He's already come down already in the top 10% maybe. Of the Muslims, the believers. Five times daily salah. And then Allah gave tawfiq to somebody to make tilawat of the Quran Sharif. Where he's already now? Zikr, dua, being in the gatherings of deen. Taking some time out in the path of Allah Ta'ala. That's still just one part of it, the main part obviously. But then we count the na'mas Allah has blessed us with in terms of the na'mats of dunya that Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, we might find we are in the top 2% of the world's population. Top 2%, maybe 1% of the world's population. Somebody can be owning billions, he has no iman, he's out of the equation. What na'mat he's got? And now despite being in the top 2% or 1% of the world's population, out of billions of people, and we still don't find things to make shukr for. We still feel we are deprived. How much sugar we should be making? So now to consciously make sugar, consciously think about it. And when the heart is brimming with sugar, it's impossible for any depression to fall into the heart. 
dunya is dunya, insan is insan, everybody feels some pain, some, some kind of diff- ups and downs and lows and highs. This happens with every person, illa mashallah. But a person falling into perpetual grief and becoming despondent and losing hope in life, that cannot happen to a heart full with shukr. That's the antidote. So remembering the favors of Allah wa ta'ala, and then together with all this, some time to talk to Allah Ta'ala daily. Talk to Allah Ta'ala in dua. To the extent that we connect ourselves to Allah Ta'ala in dua and talking to Allah Ta'ala in that manner, that will also develop this connection with Allah Ta'ala. This will increase that muhabbat with Allah Ta'ala. Let us think about it in the 24 hours of our daily lives. Besides that routine dua that we make after the first salah maybe, and sometimes we don't even know what we said in there, what we read in there. Is there dedicated time for dua in the day? To talk to Allah Ta'ala. After all, who else is going to solve our problems? Who else has the solution to us, for us? Who else has the treasures to everything? And who has everything in his control? But we are not asking him. And we are asking anyone and everyone else. Time for dua, dedicated time for dua. And there's many, many other things, time has passed. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, we bring just this much also for a start and inshallah this will build up into many more things Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bless us with his true muhabbad with the fikr of akhirat Allah ta'ala grant us that true nisbat and connection and make us among his true and loyal servants wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen just make zikr for a few minutes and then make dua inshallah
اللہ اللہ اللہ
Fill our hearts with tawazu, Ya Allah, with humility, Ya Allah, with generosity, Ya Allah, with compassion and kindness, Ya Allah, with forgiveness and overlooking, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, bless us with the beautiful akhlaq of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, bless us with these beautiful mu'amalat and mu'asharat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, bless us with these beautiful ibadat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, make us Muslims in the true sense of the word, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who are sick, give them shifaya kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Ya Allah, remove every trace of the ailments, Ya Allah. So is there any kind of difficulty and hardship, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant barakat in each one's rizq, Ya Allah. Grant abundant halal and tayyib rizq filled with barakat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us from every drop and grain of haram and doubtful things, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all those, Ya Allah, have passed away, fill their qabars with nur, Ya Allah. Raise their stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, at the time of our death, take us on perfect iman, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, take us on la ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah Allah take us on complete and perfect Tawbah Ya Allah Make our covered gardens of Jannah for us Ya Allah Grant us the Shafat of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning Ya Allah Ilahul Alameen Ya Allah Allah all those who asked us to make dua for them All who have raised their hands to this dua Ya Allah fulfill each one's jayas needs Ya Allah Fulfill each one's pious aspirations Ya Allah Allah grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat Ya Allah Remove each one's difficulties and hardships Ya Allah Allah, remove all the anxiety, the depression, the worry, the grief, Ya Allah. Fill the hearts with itminan and sukoon, Ya Allah. Allah, fill the hearts with itminan and sukoon, Ya Allah. Allah, grant afiyat in every home, Ya Allah. Grant afiyat in every home, Ya Allah. Grant afiyat in every life, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, save us from all the trials and tribulations, Ya Allah. Allah, we are too weak, Ya Allah. Allah, don't put us to test, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, we beg for your afiyat, Ya Allah. We beg for afiyat in deen, Ya Allah. We beg for afiyat in dunya, Ya Allah. Allah, you protect us and protect our progeny till Qiyamah, Ya Allah. Allah, keep us steadfast on Iman and Islam, Ya Allah. Allah, take us on perfect Iman, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, throughout the world, Ya Allah, whoever the Muslims are in any pain, suffering and hardship, Allah, out of your grace and mercy, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه المعين والحمد لله